Hello and welcome to the Green Shoots podcast, a conversation about intellectual property focused on what matters most to innovators right now. We discuss managing, monetizing and protecting IP in the context of what's happening now in industry, IP law and beyond. I'm your host, Charlie Leslie, and I'm part of the IP team here at Appleyard Lees. Joining us today are Adam Tyndall and Ian Davies, patent attorneys at Appleyard Lees. Adam works with in-house IP teams for companies large and small and was originally an engineer at Rolls-Royce. Ian spent several years working as a design engineer for Marconi and Motorola before becoming a patent attorney while working in-house at Nokia and now works with leading companies in the defence and telecom sector. Adam and Ian, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello, thank you. So Adam and Ian, you support in-house IP teams now, but previously were the other side of the fence in industry as engineers and then patent attorneys. Could you tell us a little bit about what you previously worked on and what you used to do there? My background in in patents goes back a a good few years now. I started out as an electronic engineer working for Marconi. They sponsored me through my undergraduate degree. I worked there for a couple of years after I graduated, um, then moved on to Motorola, where I was helping to design GSM base stations for the all new wonderful mobile phones, which now plague our lives or enhance them, depending on how you look at it. And then I thought time for a career change. So a good friend of mine from school worked in patents. And I thought that sounds like an interesting job. So I applied for a job as a patent engineer at Nokia, which at the time was a sort of a relatively unheard of company, I guess. Um, Stayed there for five years or so where I qualified as an attorney. And then I moved into private practice where I've been ever since for the last 16 or 17 years at Appleyard Lees, trying to help clients both in-house or different private practices, individuals, small businesses, any number of different types of clients really, but with a focus on trying to help out in-house patent departments, because that's something I have particular experience of and um, particular fondness for. Excellent. And Adam, how about you? Uh, Well, I used to work for Rolls-Royce PLC on the um, jet engine side of things for big aircraft and fighter aircraft. So that's where I started straight after university as an engineer. And then, um, much like Ian, actually, a friend told me about the world of IP and I got a job in the IP department in Rolls-Royce. And that's where I trained as a patent attorney. It was it was quite a good time to join the IP department because they were focusing down on invention, harvesting, and freedom to operate type work. Uh, a, a lot of working in-house is deciding what the IP is that's important to try and protect and keeping an eye on the budget at the same time. So there's a good deal of walking around the business, talking to people, um, understanding what the business does, filtering out ideas. And so it's, it was really quite a sociable job and going to lots of different parts of the country for the different sites, uh, whilst at the same time doing the kind of core things that patent attorneys do. I worked in one of the design teams in Rolls-Royce working on bits and pieces for combustion, which to this day I, I maintain is the most important part of the of the engine. Yeah, mainly working on big test rigs, burning lots of fuel, big teams of people working together. It was uh, probably very different to your experience in your nice, clean electronics environment, is it, Ian? It, it was very clean, yeah. No, no, no test rigs. But but I think I think that the key difference from, from and I think it's important to have had that, that experience of being not, not just on the other side in terms of working in-house as a patent attorney, but to have worked as a, an R&D engineer as well, is that you, you really appreciate that patents aren't the be-all and end-all to the company. So where we're jumping up and down asking for instructions and asking for further input for something, that poor engineer or scientist has probably got a million and one other things on his desk that day that all need 
doing that stopped product going out the door. And the patents are a, a dim and distant prospect of, of, I don't know, some future reward for him, perhaps, or a little bit of kudos. So I think it, it helps to put into perspective why engineers and inventors are being pulled in umpteen different directions at any one time. And they can't always devote all the time you want them to devote to what is troubling you at that time. So I, th- I think having that insight is is, is very important. I, th- I think the thing I, I miss least about my job as an engineer is that it was a very, you know, here, here's a job for you. Here's a functional spec. Go and design this. You've got a year and a half to make it work. It's quite hard to get motivated in that situation. Whereas in patents, there's, there's daily, daily, daily deadlines to meet, you know, and it, it's, it's very regimented in that sense. So it helps to focus your mind because you know exactly what you have to do day to day. And it's a different a different thing to do every day. So, you know, no matter which client you're supporting, that they all have certain things in common, but all have certain things that make them unique. And it's, it's working for that variety of different clients that is, is what keeps the job so interesting. So it's late July 2020 at the moment, and we're tentatively taking steps towards returning to normal life in many ways during COVID-19. So what has changed with your clients over the past few months? I think people have coped very, very well. I think for the type of clients that I have, and I guess to an extent that Adam has, which tend to be more electronics, engineering, the, the kind of jobs that are slightly more desk-based than lab-based. I think the inventors that we deal with and the the in-house teams that we deal with are working pretty well from home or from whatever socially distanced work environments they have. So apart from the initial disruption of being at home and adapting to that environment, things haven't actually changed that much for me. There was a bit of a slowdown at the end of March, start of April, but from then it's been sort of all hands on deck really. Things are carrying on pretty much as they were. But I do know that other colleagues who deal with clients where they are more lab-based or more more collaborative in in teams, I think they, they found it obviously harder to get things moving because they have to be physically in a lab. They have to have process equipment around them and so on to do their experiments and to to produce results that lead to inventions. So I think depending on the technical sector you work in, there's a, a very big difference in the kind of uh, disruption that you've seen. I don't know about you, Adam, have you seen th- that kind of thing as well? I was going to say that in the, in the first couple of months, there was this hiccup hiatus while everybody tried to work out how they were going to work and not having really any idea about how the technology was going to work out for them. But then we've all seem to have got the hang of working from home now. And I would I think that the IP department who are mainly desk based, they can do their bit, but then they've got to work with the engineers and scientists in the, in their companies who are doing their bit as well. So while the their kind of core work and the existing work has trundled along fine it's getting the the new work from clients which is, is there's maybe more of a, a problem there and also people the scientists and engineers who are coming up with the ideas have been busy and disrupted i finding generally a little bit harder to get hold of than the normal plus i mean quite a lot of uncertainty about what the future holds i think as the as the months have rumbled on we've moved from the initial disruption through a period of relative calm and now there's a feeling of uncertainty about really what the future's holding as we you know inevitably have to try and work out as a country i guess and, and well as countries around the world and as as big companies have to try and work out quite what the future holds and how they're going to deal with that. In, in terms of the work itself, yes, it's been pretty much as normal, thankfully, but I, I am sensing certain uncertainty amongst some of the in-house teams I work with. I think the focus in-house has changed uh, well, a, a kind of refocusing of what's core to the business, what might be core going forwards. And inevitably, you know, the there are budget issues for big companies to deal with, and those have knock-on effects to the IP department. So they might be refocused temporarily, looking at um, 
portfolios and what to keep, what not to keep. And I think it's really quite a difficult time to be in-house from that point of view. It's uh, the nice thing from our point of view is that we're here to help people and here to take the load off them as far as doing the the drafting and the prosecution work, sort of freeing them up to do the the in-house business work that only really they can make decisions about. And that, that much at least hasn't really changed. I mean, I, I think when we're supporting in-house departments, we, we often see ourselves or the traditional view of private practice in that case is overflow. You know, so if there's too much work to do in-house, then the, the excess gets shipped out to private practice and we, we, we help out in that situation. And, and that is part of what we do for some of our um, in-house clients. But But often it's much more embedded than that. And I think we've always tried to sell ourselves as an extension of the in-house team. So we want it to be as seamless as possible. You know, we quite often get involved in training sessions. We get involved in invention harvesting. We will go and speak to inventors on site. And and sometimes we'll be doing a role that is much more traditionally considered an in-house role. And for me, I really enjoy that. I think that takes me back to my my in-house days. And I think that feeling of being very involved in a project from day one is, is, is really quite exciting. I think in private practice, you can find yourself in a situation where you're very much looking at snapshots of a project over many, many years. So from when you first draft an application to when it gets granted, it can be several years later. And you've just dipped in and out of that at various times and, and not seen the picture. But when you're working in-house and you see the commercial reality of why this project is so important, you know that this is really, really critical for us from a commercial point of view. There might not be very much importance from a patent point of view. It might not be very patentable. There might be all sorts of issues with patentability to do with prior disclosure or freedom to operate, but it's still a very important commercial project for that company. And I think when you do that invention harvesting, when you get more embedded in the project team's from private practice, you you get back into that thinking of, of looking at the bigger picture for the client. And it's not just an invention. It's a real life commercial project that has some merit inside or outside of the patent world. And you try and do what you can to to bolster that position from, from an IP perspective. That is part of the fun, isn't it? When you can actually be on the ground in front of whatever it is that, uh, that needs protecting and you... And rather than just getting an invention disclosure form and looking at the invention in the absence of any other information. And it might seem like a really tiny thing or, or something that's entirely mundane, but you, you sort of see the whites of people's eyes or the excitement mm. that, that, that you, you understand that actually this isn't trivial. No, absolutely. This isn't a trivial change. This is something that's really quite important to the business and something that other people haven't done. And I, I find the clients to be quite apologetic about saying, sorry to drag you out here to this site to look at this enormous widget or whatever it might be whereas from my point of view a day away from the office right current climates aside a day away from the office is fantastic it's a great excuse to go and see things different be in a different environment speak to people who are the cutting edge of what they do and to really get it to say feed off the passion they have for their projects and to help them out as best we can would you say that covid has changed priorities for in-house ip teams i think it's made them look at how they work quite closely and i'm seeing requests from different firms to work with them in different ways uh, which is also an enjoyable part of the job and it's interesting that given that we're talking about big companies here one might think that there's only one possible way that you could interact with a big company you know they send you instructions you do what you've been told and then uh, send back the thing that they wanted you to do but as, as it turns out, uh, that each company we work for has a, a different set of requirements, a different set of responsibilities, and a different amount that they want us to integrate with the inventors with, while still just essentially doing the same 
poor job. You got any examples of that, Ian? I just try to think. I mean, m- most of the clients, I mean, we, we've had to change just the, the logistics of how we deal with them, I suppose, the practicalities, because, you know, often they, like us, are not in their, their physical offices. So, yeah, the, the patent world is reasonably technologically advanced, but there's still a certain amount of paperwork that flies around. And I, I haven't seen any official paperwork from clients or from patent offices for three or four months now. So just, just silly things like making sure we can deal with them electronically is, is, is a key thing. And I think, again, at WRLEs, we, we've invested sort of heavily over the years in, in good electronic working practices. So the adaptation from all of us being in the office to being 120 odd people working from home was relatively painless. Um, and I think for some of our clients, that wasn't quite the same, depending on the sector they work in, that they, they just simply weren't set up to work from home in the way that we have been. So I think we were relatively quick off the mark there. And we've been able to get ahead of the game a little bit in helping them out and, and being available and perhaps giving them some advice on how they can set themselves up to to work from home as well. But on a day-to-day level, I mean, my interactions with the, the sort of the key inventors at my key clients are, are, are carrying on much the same as they were. But instead of me being in my office in Manchester and them being in their office wherever they are, we're both sat at home but having exactly the same conversation. So, you know, to that extent, not much has actually changed. How can um, in-house IP teams best utilise external firms giving sort of the current business realities? I mean, working in-house, there can be a lot of checking that portfolios still cover the products, checking that you're capturing all the inventions, making assessments of those uh, inventions. And that's all really important from the point of view of of managing and and looking after the intellectual property that that belongs to the, the company. What it doesn't necessarily give those people a lot of time to do, although it's different for different IP departments, is is to develop the specialisms for the rare things that 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 crop up. Where you know, so so maybe they need a specialist in law to do opposition work, or for or for enforcement, or if there's a, a technical specialism which just isn't present in the IP department, that's where private practice firms offer that extra layer of flexibility that IP departments can reach out to and, and use as, as and when they need us. And I think especially we've, as Apple Lee's, invested again heavily in the, the more legal side of our offering. So we have dedicated people looking at litigation, licensing and contentious issues and so on. And in the past, we wouldn't have been able to handle those to the same degree that we do now. So if a client comes in with a, a technical issue, we can generally handle that. But now increasingly, if they're coming in with issues to do with licensing or litigation or ownership or entitlement, any of those issues which are slightly more tangential to the harvesting the invention, filing an application and taking it through to grants, we have in-house people who can help with that. And I think that's that's a perfect sort of symbiosis really, because you know we, we can feed that work internally. And likewise, our, our internal colleagues who deal with more sort of legal matters than technical matters often require technical advice. And it, we've got this great internal team structure where we can, we can feed off different people and, and call in different people as they're needed, but keep that work internal to, to the firm. Yeah, I think that having that team of lawyers integral with Appyard Leads or part of Appyard Leads really makes it makes the process so much smoother. If instead of having to use further specialists, it's you know it, it, it makes the interaction just so much simpler and straightforward for the client and for us as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, most clients who are big enough to have an in-house IP team will have in-house lawyers, but often they are in-house corporate lawyers. They're looking at company law issues. They're looking at sort of shareholder issues, that kind of thing. They're not specialists in in IP, the soft IP skills and so on that that we can bring. So, you know, it's not stepping on anyone's toes. It's providing a truly complementary service to what we do, you know, day in, day out. 
So with everything that has been going on with COVID, there's been talks of a, like a possible recession. How might this impact in-house IP teams or maybe IP teams in general? Well, I, I guess, I mean, what, what, one of the things that we learned from the last recession was that, you know, that the firms that invest in R&D can sort of invent their way out of it to an extent. I think it's very easy at this time to sit back and think, well, we need to conserve cash. And, and, and for some firms, clearly that is a priority and they, they don't have an option but to do that. But for those that are able to continue, I think in investing in the future and patent applications that they file now that might not feed into products for several years, by which time we're hopefully well out of the recession, will we'll pay dividends. So there's always an inherent lag in, in making an invention and filing a patent application and getting that product to market. You know, you make the money from selling the product. You don't make the money necessarily from filing a patent application, but that's a precursor to bolstering your position for the future. So I think the firms that can look ahead you know, two or three years or longer and say, well, anything we do now will pay dividends at that time, then that, that's a key thing. So I think if the company involved has a viable future, then it might well be a false economy to try and save money on on, on patents applications now. I think Adam mentioned, about, you know, limiting the portfolio and making sure it covers the products that you're currently selling. I think that's a key thing because the market is going to change significantly in the coming years. And it might be that what was your top seller in February this year is something that just isn't going to sell at all come August. So I think it's important to keep on top of what's in your portfolio make sure it still covers your commercial interests, but don't take your eye off looking what's going to be important to the future and get those applications in now. Keeping the portfolio current and relevant is, is a part of what IB departments not do most of the time. So, you know, we're dealing with COVID-19 now, but it's it's the kind of work that they'll be doing year after year, assessing their products. That's excellent. Uh, Adam and Ian, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. for listening to the Green Shoots podcast by Appleyard Lees. If you have a question or issue you'd like our IP specialist to discuss on the podcast, tweet us at Appleyard Lees or email us at ip at appleyardlees.com.